The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 142 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is employment for students with special needs. These days, young people are finding it difficult to find good jobs, which means that young people with special needs may face additional challenges in finding good jobs. Family caregivers are always important and very important now in helping these young people face these challenges. More and more, we're all focusing on helping young people with special needs to make the best possible use of their abilities. Work is the best way of enabling young people to make the best possible use of their abilities. And good work, paid work, is the best way of valuing their abilities. Which is why Joe Henry, our guest today, is talking about employment for students with special needs. Now, Joe is Manager of Student Access at Humber College. He's a higher educational professional with more than 10 years' experience supporting people with disabilities. He's Director of Communications with the Canadian Association of Disability Services, sorry, Services Providers in Post-Secondary Education. He holds a 2012 Diverse City Fellowship, which is a year-long development program dedicated to making the greater Toronto area a better and more inclusive place to live, work, learn and play. As past chair of the College Committee on Disability Issues, he speaks frequently about equity and inclusion on campuses. He's written on disability issues for the Toronto Star, the Huffington Post, and for sector-specific media published by the Canadian Association of College and University Student Services, among others. Now, he's completed his Master's in Education, in Adult Education and Community Development, and he's now pursuing his Doctorate in Education at Northeastern University in Boston. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Gordon. I'm really uh, glad to be here. Great. Now, first question for you is this. Please tell us a little bit more about your professional career and especially your past work in disability services in post-secondary education. Yeah, um, I've been involved in, as I mentioned in, in, in the bio that you read there, for over 10 years in, in supporting uh, students with disabilities in the post-secondary uh, arena, uh, specifically started my career as an advisor for students with disabilities um, at Sheridan College um, in uh, Oakville and in, in Brampton. So uh, my role there was to work uh, 
one-on-one -on -one and in uh, groups with students with disabilities and to support them in, in their accommodation of their needs within the post-secondary uh, setting. Um, from there, I moved into different areas, um, some administrative functions and have moved, I started working as the manager of accessible learning at Sheridan um, three years, uh, for, for about three years until I joined Humber as their manager of student access. So, so I've had a, a broad range of experiences working with people with disabilities. Um, part of my work involved connecting with various resources in the community to help students to make that transition from from college to their to their work, but also to ensure that there's a pathway for students to follow when they leave college. And one of the challenges is always trying that trying to find that appropriate pathway. And one of those things that we found over the last few years is the fact that employment even though it's a challenge for many students at this point in time in terms of graduation, um, one of those issues where people with disabilities are still experiencing a significant amount of barriers are in the area of, of finding employment, even though they've had tremendous training and tremendous education options uh, through our colleges and our universities. So, And so I think the focus around making sure that students are getting gainful employment, as you, as you mentioned, you know, one of the best sort of areas in terms of helping build esteem and confidence is getting that job. And we want to ensure that students, if they've been well prepared at the college level, to get connected to employment. And I think at, at this point in time, there's still a lot of barriers in place and we need to find different ways to help our students get connected to those pathways. So I'm committed to finding those issues out. Joe, when, how and why did you get involved first in supporting young people with disabilities. What's the story there? Well, it's kind of an interesting story, I guess, and or I, maybe it's a story that many people can kind of uh, relate to. Um, when I was young and in, in high school, um, even before, just before high school, we were involved um, with a program called Extended Family. Um, and Extended Family um, was run through community living in Walkerton, where I grew up. And Extended Family is essentially a, a, a respite program, but also uh, at the same time it is a program to educate uh, families around issues related to people with disabilities. So we would have uh, a young person with an intellectual disability come into our family every week to be part of our family. So from another family come into our family and experience you know, our family, we get to experience her, understand what her challenges were, but more importantly, what we found, and I think talking to my brothers um, and my sister and my, my parents around this issue, is the fact that we learned so much more about uh, how people with disabilities can teach us things. And I think that is something that's kind of st stuck with me, the fact that you know, people with disabilities are are not just simply there because they need to get assistance from us. What they can do is teach us um, ways to look at things from a different perspective and look at things from an area of, of what sort of strengths people that we all bring to the table. And yes, there there's maybe some specific deficits in some of those areas, but there's certainly strengths that were were there. And those strengths, um, you know, those those were valuable for us in terms of, you know, learning a little bit about more about what people with disabilities can do and should be doing. I think that is where I kind of got started and then, you know, got involved in Special Olympics uh, movement and kind of was always involved in um, the disability um, 
movement and working with people with disabilities all the way through um, my my early career and into into um, now into my later stages and have made it uh, a, a career in that sense in terms of working in the college sector with people with disabilities. So like anybody, you know, you, you find a personal connection with something, but you also, as a result of that, develop a passion for something. And I think that that's crucial in terms of um, for anybody exploring a career, especially in this area, is the fact that you certainly have to be passionate about it, but you also have to um, understand those issues. And I think um, by being exposed at an early age to people with disabilities, that helped me um, get involved uh, and, and want to make this my career. So just very quickly, what I'm getting from you is that really it was family caregiving that got you started. But what you saw and what excited you, this was a two-way thing. Uh-huh. That is to say, you were learning and you were also helping. Mm-hmm. So that that is a very fine, uh, I think, message for family caregivers uh, broadly, as well as those in the situation that you were in and are mm-hmm. continue and, and, to be. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to add there, like if you look at people like Jean Vanier who talk about issues related to what people with disabilities, what you can learn from people with disabilities by involving and by being and living. I think that's an important consideration in terms of moving forward, especially for family caregivers, yeah. Right. Now, another question for you. Please Mm -hmm. tell us more about your work and your services at Humber College. Um, Yeah, we have uh, over 1,900 students with disabilities that um, are identified with our service. Not every person with a disability actually identifies with our service, and and some people with disabilities don't want to identify, and that's fine um, in terms of that, and they can accommodate on their own. But certainly from our standpoint, through registration with our office, um, our services, I have a great great uh, staff who uh, work to support and accommodate uh, those students in the various academic endeavors that they undertake here at the college. So it can um, simply by by registering with our office, um, we can provide accommodations, which is our primary service. So we can recommend what, what would be appropriate inside the classroom in terms of giving some assistance to students or accommodations to support them to feel more comfortable in the classroom to uh, and leverage their strengths. So, for example, uh, you know, extended time for a test or um, alternate assignments or or some sort of uh, way to, uh, in some cases, just uh, providing an interpreter or computerized note taker to support a person who is deaf or hard of hearing. So, so it ranges based upon the disability itself. So that's our primary focus is accommodation of students in their various uh, academic endeavors here at the college. Um, in addition to that, um, one of our other primary primary groups that we serve are our faculty members, and I call them a partner uh, in our process because realistically the accommodation does not happen in our in our offices, it happens in the classroom. So crucial to that process is the faculty member, and the faculty member is the teacher who uh, is in charge of uh, receiving information related to the accommodations and then implementing those accommodations in the classroom and supporting that student. So so our role is to really help uh, help the, the teachers understand what they could be doing and what are some options that they could be doing and what are, you know, what are the, the needs of the specific student. So that's our uh, other primary body. And then we also um, 
uh, take a look at issues related to, to some extent, uh, supporting change within the institution to ensure that if there are issues uh, that are coming up to make the appropriate uh, folks aware about these issues and what we can suggest as alternatives or provide recommendations to folks around those issues to make change. So, so really our work is about serving students and 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 by default serving the broader members of our community in that way so so it's kind of a it's a it's an interesting um, area to work within because ultimately a lot of my job is is problem solving I was just talking earlier today with some colleagues and if you could if you can really kind of you know put it into two words it's the, my work is problem solving, and I think that that's what I enjoy out of this because of the fact that no two days the same, and that's really interesting to me. And they're all problems to do with human beings who are wanting to make the best of their abilities. Now, Joe, we have to go to the break. This is where, as I always say, we have to pay our rent. Mm -hmm. So let's do that now. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Joe Henry. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and wellness network tune in every week for sex out loud host tristan termino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry the lgbt community and the sex positive world from kink to non-monogamy nothing is off limits plus you can call in to join the conversation Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Joe Henry. Our topic is employment for students with special needs. 
So now let's talk about the challenges that students with special needs encounter in college education. So, Joe, please give us a picture of the types of special needs of students at Humber College and the ways in which health conditions create or complicate the special needs. Joe? Well, I think in, in, certainly in our work, we have a range of people with disabilities who access our services and access our supports. Um, as I mentioned, we have over 1,900 students who register with us, and the majority of those students, over well, uh, a, a good uh, um, set of students are uh, are students with learning disabilities. So, um, and the next would be students with mental health. Uh, related uh, issues or disabilities. Um, also, those who experiencing some challenge from a physical standpoint, so they may have a sensory-related disability related to hearing or or and or uh, vision. Um, but we also are seeing, you know, other groups of students. We're having a large group starting to enter the college system uh, with autism and Asperger's. So trying to accommodate uh, those students and their uh, particular needs has been something a little bit more recent in the college sector, um, and we're certainly working on that. So um, it is a wide range and is as wide as um, you know, society is. Uh, you know, what happens in society is we get and that's what happens here at the college. So we're not necessarily that removed from what in the environment is external to, to Humber. Our Humber is our community, and the community is Humber. So that's a, I think that's an important message. And certainly, I think to hear that is, you know, we have more students in the college uh, sector here in Ontario, which it, it, with students with disabilities, than students um, than than our universities have, and that's a number of different reasons. One is that colleges are more, uh, like, to some extent, uh, more accessible in that 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 way. But also, to the standpoint is um, many students remain at home for for college and have a support system built around them, and uh, their families are really crucial in terms of their support. So having um, someone, um, that support system close by is really crucial for many students as they make that transition from post-secondary to, uh, from secondary to post-secondary. But in, also related to that, we also have students who are coming not directly from secondary school. They may be returning to school after a long while, or they may have, uh, you know, been downsized and they're looking to be retrained and they have a disability, or they maybe they 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 have a, a disability that was never identified when they were originally in school, um, you know, so many years ago. But now there's that option available to them. So this is more of an option now than it was, you know, 20 years ago, maybe when they're in school. So, so we have a real mixed population that continues to be more diverse and more, um, and what comes with that is some, some more challenges, but at the same time, that's what makes the work interesting in terms of trying to support students as they make their transition into the college environment and their specific programs. Right. Let's talk more about those challenges. Yeah. You know, the challenges associated with the special needs. Obviously, I don't want you to talk about anything that would identify individuals, mm. but in a general way, let's, let's have a, a picture of those challenges. Yeah, um, it can be it can be a range of things, and I think Humber probably does a really good job, uh, and I know does a really good job of supporting. I have a great team, and the environment here in terms of the progressiveness of wanting to ensure that the accessibility is uh, is is key, and so I think that that's 
the, the most important thing in terms of eliminating challenges is the fact that you have an environment that you can work with those challenges on, and that's not always the case. So I think from a Humber perspective, that is, that is just amazing. But often what happens is, is as students make the transition from secondary school, for example, um, there's, they come, they, they're used to dealing with a system um, in the secondary schools where um, a lot of things are done for them in terms of supporting what needs to get done. So they don't necessarily have to talk to their teachers about their needs because their special education resource teacher may be doing that or their mom and dad may be doing that. And here, um, the primary clientele is the student. So we're not necessarily going to be talking to mom or dad or we're not necessarily going to be talking to their support system directly or we're not necessarily going to inform the teachers directly of a student's needs. That's the student directs that process. And that's a, that's a big challenge for many students as they make that transition from where they are generally in a secondary school environment to our environment. So from the standpoint of helping students understand what their needs are, um, it starts with understanding of what their role now is. And that's where a lot of students have some challenges are, are with is, is trying to work through that issue. So, and once they kind of understand what their role is, then they feel a little bit more uh, you know, supported or they can feel like they can support themselves. So in some cases, um, some of the challenges arrive, be, arise generally because of communication in terms of students not communicating information directly to their faculty members around what their specific needs are. And we, to help this process, we do give out a memo of accommodations that the student then delivers to their faculty member that outlines what their specific needs are. And sometimes that's a really difficult conversation for students to have, but, but luckily we have some really, really great faculty members here who are just tremendous in supporting students with disabilities to make that transition. Um, but it's having that conversation, but sometimes what happens, that conversation doesn't happen the first week of school. It happens several weeks into the course, and that's when challenges start to arrive and say, okay, now that you're experiencing maybe that, that post-secondary environment and experiencing maybe a, a failure on that first test, mm, I need to do something differently. And that's where we sort of get involved to kind of say, okay, what are sort of the next steps? Um, and, you know, I think there's also issues sometimes around accessibility of material, so making sure that uh, we have material available. Luckily here at Humber, we have a transcriptionist who uh, works really closely with our students to be able to get books in alternate formats, or their textbooks specifically, in, in, a, in a fairly short order so that the students don't have to wait too long for that information, but that's where some barriers can be um, experienced. And I think it just comes down to just trying to get comfortable with a new way of doing because ultimately what we want to do through our process of accommodation is help teach students because when they leave the environment, um, they're going to have to have some skills to advocate for themselves to be able to say, okay, I have a disability um, and I need some accommodation and or these are, the, these are the solutions that I have for myself and I can make some things happen. Right. Now, I want to go on talking about the way in which your services help students with uh -huh. their various challenges. First of all, um, I'm, I've got a, a question to put to you that's a bit specific. Uh -huh. But first of all, are there other things right now that you would like to say about the way in which you help students meet their particular challenges? I think generally speaking, um, Gordon, is uh, we are, are we are a very student-centered 
sort of operation and the fact that um, we start with the student, we start with our discussion with the student. So in, once a student has an intake with one of our disability services officers, we move them to one of our disability consultants who then has a really uh, strong discussion and develops a relationship with that student so that they can understand what their specific needs are related to their disability and how that can be effectively supported in, in this type of environment. So we have, you know, the, our disability consultants are also classified as faculty members. So they're, they're, they're people who are connected to teaching and understand the teaching um, uh, area very well. So that's a really, really helpful process is the fact that you have people working with students uh, in a closely but also advising them on their steps on what they should be doing and how they should be doing and working with them really closely on maybe in some cases working with our learning cons our, our disability consultant who's also a learning strategist, helping with them with learning strategies to help accommodate for their disability or our, our or maybe referring them to our assistive technologist who can help them with some of the technology that is out there and recommending technology that can help accommodate their disability, which I think is crucial in terms of with technology being so available now and used in education so much, trying to find the tools from a technology standpoint is really crucial for many students. And then you don't necessarily have to rely on another human being. It becomes more, the student then becomes more independent um, as, as much as um, relying on, a, on a, uh, a human resource. And I think that that's, that's, that's kind of the kind of enlightening thing about technology is it yeah. allows some independence building. I'm going to stop you there because I want to just pick up on the particular point about technology. Um, as you know, with conditions like autism and others, um, young people are, can be very adept with computers to the point that they're sometimes better at using computers to communicate with other people than they are in direct, shall we say, face-to-face -face situations. Now, given that I'm quite sure that like every other educational institution, you've got computers at every point, please say what you think is the role of computers in the way of helping with communications with students with particular types of challenges associated with with um, with health conditions yeah i i think they they can be enlightening i think you know the ipad specifically and how in the various applications that can be used and there's been a lot of more research into using that and there's a, a school here in in toronto called the beverly school um that has been highlighted in 60 in 60 minutes recently about how the, that, that device has helped so many students in terms of developing some skills to communicate about their specific needs that they didn't have previously. And I think that that's uh, a really crucial sort of tool. But that being said, I think technology itself in terms of whether that's an application on an iPad or a device or a handheld device of some sort or, or the computer itself and the various assistive technology that can be put into the computer, whether that's a, a screen reading software or Dragon 
which is uh, allows you to uh, dictate and, and what have you um, information in and help you write your essays and what have you. I think to some extent it allows people to you know use a different medium to communicate information that they've already been thinking or been challenged with, and I think that. That is what technology has given so many people. Like, if you were thinking 20 years ago what we would be doing with iPads and computers, I don't think anyone could have predicted the, uh, you know, the, the 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 growth and abundance of these issues. And uh, by by course, then uh, what has happened is that students are getting access to things because they feel more comfortable on those tools. At the same time, you know, we also have to be conscious of the fact that we also have to build other skills as well as that in terms of communication and one-on-one. -on -one. So one of the things that we've also done here is that we have one of our disability consultants who uh, has a uh, uh, Asperger's Autism Support Group to help dialogue around the experiences that people are having within our environment. Joe, and I'm just going to stop you there because I want to carry on with this okay. particular point in the next uh, segment, okay. but time is up, so we do have to take the break. So let's do that now. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Joe Henry. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Do you know if kidney disease is affecting you? Are your kidneys healthy? You may have kidney disease and not even be aware of it. More than 31 million people have been affected by kidney disease. Teenagers today are being diagnosed with symptoms such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. These conditions can worsen kidney health and cause kidney disease. Be sure to tune in to Improve Your Kidney Health with your hosts, Dr. Rich Snyder, Mark Blatstein, and Dr. Jenna Henderson. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The information you get on this program could help save your life. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg 
at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Joe Henry. Our topic is employment for students with special needs. Now, let's explore types of support needed by students with special needs as their college education comes to an end and they are transitioning into the world of employment. So my question first for you, Joe, is what types of work are open to students with special needs? What are the challenges uh, they experience in getting that employment and how you support them? But if you do have an additional comment that you want to make about the role of technology, please also make that. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, I think the technology piece is so, is, is good in terms of being able to open up things, but I that those types of uh, skill building that we need to do amongst our students, and I was mentioning uh, before a break a little bit about um, our Asperger's Autism Support Group that we have here that allows people to explore some of the issues that they're experiencing and, and connect with one another around what sort of challenges that they're having and help build some skills around some of their communication. And I think that that's, that's just as crucial because ultimately um, every job you know, requires some level of communication and some obviously can be mediated through technology in some form or another, but at the same time, you still need to be able to connect with your colleagues around issues. And the only way that can be done is verbally. And if you need to have that skill as well, as much as, as much as the technology. And I think that that's an important thing that people need to consider too is, is yes, uh, technology is key, but it's, it's a tool as much as, and you need to be able to build your toolbox um, as much as possible. And I think that's, that's one of the messages I would like to send with respect to that. Okay. Now, yeah. that's highly relevant, isn't it? Yeah. In the right. situation where the students are transitioning from uh, college education into the world of work, getting employment. Mm-hmm. So please talk about those uh, challenges and how you support students with yeah like you know we uh, we certainly we have a great career um, uh, services area here at the at the at the college and and so we have worked closely with them around some issues I think generally speaking what happens with respect to it's kind of um, it's kind of a mishmash of support in terms of transition and and there are lots of different programs out there that can help support the transitions of students to employment. Um, some are more disability specific, so some some different disability related organizations offer employment programs. There are sort of general employment options for people with disabilities to explore one um, options. And then there's, you know, the, the various aspects of looking at, okay, um, what are the types of employment even out options out there available to me? So what, what our hope is, is as students graduate from their program that they can find work in their assigned area. Like that's the ultimate goal for, for anybody. If you decide that you want to be an ECE um, teacher or you wanted to be a uh, drafts person or whatever that, that area that you want to be a specialist in or, you know, work in, you, my, my hope and I think everyone's hope would be is that you find work in that field. Now, the reality is not really there. The reality is, is that um, certainly right now, the, the economic conditions, we are seeing a lot of unemployment or underemployment among different populations, and that's uh, 
going to con- that's going to continue to be an issue um, because of the changing nature of work. But at the same time, as a as a, as a additional barrier, people with disabilities are impacted. So we know that people with disabilities are uh, still significantly underrepresented in the workforce, and that can be for a number of barriers. One, that there's stigma attached to hiring a person with a disability. There is um, issue related to um, perceived cost of accommodation, which is not necessarily the case, but it's always kind of there. I think there's some issues around access to specific professions, um, you know, um, regulated professions where they require that you complete a test and there might be limited accommodations on that you can complete a test, so then therefore you cannot access that regulated profession. Unionized environments, to some extent, there may be some restrictions on collective agreements around some of the flexibility that you might have to work with that may limit barriers. And then just the the changing nature of work itself in terms of you know, we're seeing uh, more self-employment, we're seeing more contractual sort of employment as opposed to long-term employment, and that leads to uh, precarious, the, the whole precarious nature of employment. So um, so the, there's jobs without benefits. Well, people with disabilities may need benefits to pay for their their drugs or medical opportunities. So that, that can be a perceived issue as well. So there's all these kind of barriers that are out there and yeah. change in terms of employment that impact people with disabilities. Joe, I'm just going to pick you up on one of the ones that you've mentioned, and that is stigmatization. Mm-hmm. Because we know that, you know, in the past, stigmatization of certain types of health conditions was a challenge for young people uh, in all kinds of situations, including seeking work. What's the situation like now? Um, especially given that finding employment is such a challenge for so many young people, as you said, in Mm -hmm. these tough economic times. What about stigmatization right now? What sort of a problem is it? Yeah, I I think there's, there's, it's still an issue. I think it's changing. I think um, people are starting to become a little bit more enlightened to the fact that of the strengths and abilities of people with disabilities. So I think that that's a a good news story in terms of that. I think, um, they think there's a lot of great um, programs that are out there um, that can support, but at the same time, the stigma still exists. Like they see a person who uses uh, a wheelchair, or they see a person who uh, has a learning disability, for example, and they equate that with an intellectual disability, and they say, "Oh, that person won't be able to do that work." So, or the cost of accommodation is too high, or there's a myriad of excuses why they think that accommodations can't be made. So I think to some extent, if you start looking at the history of uh, people with disabilities, I think we're seeing some progress. Um, I think if you compare 20 years ago when many of our services, like the ones we offer here at Humber, um, you know, necessarily didn't exist in its present form, um, we had some broader issues. But, you know, as education has become more accessible, People are seeing that as an option, and by default, now we're starting to see some 
some movement in the in the employment sphere um, around some of that. But the the stigma still exists, and that's why you know, for example, you see the federal government here in Canada talking about um, uh, human resources development. Uh, Canada has put together a panel on employment um, and looking at employment-related issues for people with disabilities. So they've recognized it as an issue, and so they want to find ways to address it because there's a huge that's a huge when you think about it, it's a huge human capital issue in terms of preparing people for the workforce who aren't working. And so if you make the, the economic case of people sitting on the sidelines, when in fact we can use their skills, their strengths and creativity to better look at things and innovate on new strategies, that's where we need to go. But it's, we still have a lot more work to do on that piece. And um, I, I applaud certain sectors. The financial services sector has done some great work around some of this stuff. Some of that's uh, related to so they're under federal regulations to make sure that um, educate uh, that employment is is there for people with disabilities. But at the same time, they've got some great programs in place, and so we got to find ways to mirror that throughout, and also look at ways for the small and medium-sized businesses to say, okay, time to leverage that those skill sets of our right. people with disabilities. Joe, I'm going to point you now to this still on the question of transition between education and work. What's the support that's needed by the students from their families? And what adjustments do the family caregivers need to make? And how do you work with both the students and their families in making this transition? How, how, how does that work? Yeah, yeah, I think, well, generally speaking, we start working with our, our students right from the get-go, right from when they start with us. So we start to redefine their role as a family member at that case. Because realistically, you know, let's be realist here, um, it's probably not the best idea for the mother or father or support system to call the employer about jobs. Like, that. that's just not how how it works. Like it's, so what we try to do, right, the but the get-go is to help students to um, take ownership, one, of the disability, two, then start to say, okay, how am I, what program am I in? Does this make sense for me? But also, okay, I'm, I'm the one that's going to be taking this program. I'm going to be the one working in this area, so I need to be develop the skills. It can't be my mom or dad or my support system developing these skills. So, so we kind of say, okay, the role is changing for mom and dad. You are there as a guide on the side, uh, someone that they can go to. There needs to be a development of trust around these issues and sometimes that that's a challenge, especially for those students who have made the jump from secondary school to post-secondary where mom and dad have been really uh, integral, integrally, really connected to what's going on um, and not necessarily knowing. So we kind of say, okay, our dealings are going to be with your son or daughter. And they can sign a waiver to, for us to send to get them information. But what's best is to be able to develop that relationship so that they can feel like they can come to you. Then, when, as this then relates through their whole academic career and then when they're making the next steps, um, they can feel that that trust is there so that they're going out to date. When they start making that transition to employment, they can support people to say, okay, just like anybody else would, in terms of uh, looking to their family member for some advice around uh, their career, advice around where they want to go. So I don't necessarily want to say that we um, uh, discount our family members, but we realize the fact is, is that we want to help people to redefine that relationship to some extent, to say um, it's 
changing from a you know a parent role where you're kind of guiding these things are are guiding the direction but what it changes now is you are a support on the side of your student to make um, start making the appropriate choices and decisions within their lives and that's part of the developmental aspects to help them get to that employment so if you have that if you have that skill set developed early on you are uh, i think helping in terms of transition to employment uh, much more crucially so very quickly it's some the family caregivers do some transitioning as well don't they Yes, yeah, definitely. It is a transition for everybody because it's changing. Your relationship is changing. You know, yeah. someone is growing, growing up, and we need to kind of evolve with it, just like any other relationship. Right? It evolves, and I'm hoping that we can um, it can be done constructively, and we can help in that process. Because often, me, I see parents as a strong um, player in the lives, and will always be a strong player in the lives. But realistically, you can't be having three or four different people involved in a situation um, when it should be the student involved in that situation. Right, right. Yeah. Now, once again, it's the tyranny of time. The break is upon us, so we'll take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Joe Henry. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, But how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, hosted by Chris Efesiu. Chris is the portrait of the success story, coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you look at something that's been designed, whether it's clothing, architecture, or a work of art, Do you stop and wonder about the inspiration and thought process that went into the design? Tune in to Dishing the Dirt on Design with hosts Ann Asher and Eleanor Schrader-Shapa. We'll take the mystery out of the creation process, along with revealing the backstory from art to fashion to travel and so much more. Listen to Dishing the Dirt on Design every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Joe Henry. Our topic is employment for students with special needs. Let's now talk about things that should be done more or better to help young people with special needs find work that enables them to make the very best of their abilities. And also, Joe, I'm going to ask you what your messages are for various key uh, key authorities. But first of all, Joe, what more would you like to see done to help young people with special needs to find work that really does enable them to make the very best of their abilities? Joe? Yeah, I think, you know, leveraging their strengths, understanding what those strengths are. And I I understand that's always a difficult sort of situation because of a number of factors. One being, you know, they're students and they want to – college, university, you know, or post-secondary education is a time to explore different options. If someone said to me, you know, 10 years ago I was going going to be the manager of student access at Humber College, I wouldn't have said that. So we understand, you know – from a career perspective, it's not about targeting a specific job. It's about managing your career effectively and understanding what, where your strengths actually lie in terms of those issues. So if you have a math-related learning disability, uh, identifying accounting as an area of, you know, of wanting to uh, look at as a career probably isn't always the best option. Um, but if you're looking at uh, understanding that you're, maybe you're a strong communicator, um, verbally, that's a, if that's a strength that you have, and many people with learning disabilities do have that strong strength, is there a specific area that you can work in that can leverage your, your skill that way? So if you're looking at areas of you know, that involve public speaking or involve maybe sales where people can talk and present information. So identifying your strengths and understanding what those strengths are in relative terms to help you identify a program. The second thing I would also say is that um, helping students understand that it's them choosing the program. It's not mom or dad or their support system choosing that program because the program has to, they're not, the mom or dad or support system is not completing the program. It's, it's a student. So they need to have a good understanding of why they're going into that program. And to some extent, that involves passion and engagement. And so we know that students are passionate about those areas of interest, engaged in wanting to learn more about that area, are going to do well academically, and conversely, you're going to move probably into uh, a good employment realm because of the fact that, you know, you feel like you want to make a difference in that area. And so I think that that's crucial to understand in terms of looking at those those issues. Um, I think from a standpoint of looking at areas of Looking at wanting to find those areas where and challenge those areas where you think that you can make a difference. And I think that that's something that we want to key to our, 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 our folks 
um, who, ident- who identify with us or work with us is just have really good understanding of themselves. And it's very difficult around some of those issues, but I think that that's really strong. Uh, the, on the flip side, I also want to say is that, you know, from the standpoint, there are barriers in place to employment that are still there. And so we necessarily, and when I say we, I mean society generally has to look at these things and with a critical lens to say, okay, what is, what is the disabling factor here? in terms of what is preventing people from accessing those careers. And are those some of those things restrictions put in place for specific reasons? Like obviously if there are health and safety concerns um, related to a student um, and that, that can't necessarily be accommodated because of public good or public health, that is one, that's, that's one bona fide option. But ultimately as we get more into situations um, that we're finding more options for people with disabilities. We need to start to question kind of those those institutions that we have set up to kind of control the flow of people and where those people end up going. Because ultimately, right. it comes down to a human capital issue. And to have people sit on the sidelines in a time that we're trying to drive creativity, it's not a good thing. Right. Now, what's your message to students? You've said a lot about their needs and what... Uh we should be thinking about, but what's your actual message to students with special needs about making the very best of their abilities? Joe? Well, I think by making the very best of their abilities, I think it's, it's trying to, I think, find that area of passion. Everyone finds, I, I don't think there's one person I've ever met that hasn't found an area that they're passionate about. It's just the length of time they take to find that passion. And if they can't, and it's trying to work with them through that. So ultimately, if you don't have passion about something, if you're not engaged in something um, in terms of feeling why you want, that you, there's a bigger reason why you're there, you're going to have some serious uh, challenges um, to that. And that's why when people, you know, are in jobs that they're not engaged with, they find other avenues, whether that's volunteering, whether that's being involved in the community, where they can use that passion to, for, to better Good. But the challenge with people with disabilities is that we have put constrictions on sometimes for reasons that aren't necessarily known. And we need to really explore those options more crucially. And I want people with disabilities to, one, be realistic, understand their strengths, um, target areas where they think they can leverage those strengths. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean um, just going to, because you have a strength, you should go in that area. It's also how do you how do you also marry that up with your passions? And I think there's more options than ever before out there. Um, technology has played a huge role in terms of helping people leverage technology to get some really unique things to, to happen for people. So I think that that's, a, that's, that's great for people with disabilities. At the same time, I think, you know, there are going to always be some level of barrier. So people with disabilities need to be able to, you know, advocate for themselves. Uh, and the whole concept of self-advocacy um, in terms of being able to be assertive in a, in a proactive way, in a, in a way that can help provide change, as opposed to looking at issues where, okay, uh, I'm going to just fight and fight and fight because, um Typically what happens in those situations is people um, are not heard. So I think there's a lot of things people with disabilities can do, but, you know, if I was to say pick one area, I think find that area of passion and, and, and move with it and work with it, and, and ultimately it's going to be better for everybody. Right. 
Now, your message for family caregivers, and we're obviously talking about family caregivers uh, with family members who are students with special needs. But the message again is what really do family caregivers need to do or think about so that their family members make the very best of their abilities? Joe? I think having that conversation early on, I think people wait too like they're they're so in the moment of and I can appreciate why that is. Like they're so focused on getting through school and getting done and getting and completing secondary school and, and and but there's not that discussion about what the long term might look like. So looking at okay, what are those options? So I'm not saying that, you know, in grade one, you start identifying a, a career option. I think that that's not, somewhat unreasonable. I think it's reason, unreasonable for anybody. But I think, you know, giving people options to take a look at, giving them opportunities to explore a passion, um, looking at areas of uh, maybe shadowing, um, co-op opportunities, internship, internship opportunities, um, you know, suggesting uh, some part-time work or, um, you know, involving them in your work discussions. I know in my own situation, my own family, we talk about work because I think it's important to have people understand about what mom and dad are doing. And I think those are discussions that need to happen around around the table, around the dinner table or, you know, in the car or what have you because ultimately that helps people understand, you know, where they can go in terms of this. And I think those are things that families can do that, Aren't necessarily, they're not, there's not necessarily a cost to them, but I think we, the earlier you kind of explore where those things are in relation to people's strengths, the better it is in terms of, okay, identifying those options instead of waiting until grade 12 and now they have to choose a college program. Well, it's really late in the game in terms of thinking about that. And I know it seems, and people, it's not when you get to college, you just, oh, well, there's no options to change. There's always options to change. But at least you can have those discussions early on. But I've seen so many cases where people haven't had those discussions and people are, are coming to college or university necessarily for the right, not for the right reasons, um, only for the reason because everyone else going or because my brother or sister went. And so I think those are really important conversations that family uh, caregivers can, can have. Right. Joe, I'm just going to summarize a little bit back to you in this way that we've emphasized uh, making the very best of abilities on the part of um, young people with special needs. And you and I are completely in agreement over that. And I just want to add a little bit of the history, which is that I'm a physician, I'm retired, but I know that in the past we physicians have been very focused not on the abilities but on the disabilities. And I think that's the very big shift that's taking place. We're not there yet, uh -huh. but through people like you and programs like yours and colleges like yours, um, it's the abilities part that now is the focus. That's the uh -huh. place where we're going. Uh -huh. On the other hand, what you're also saying, and I just want to emphasize this in a very positive way, you're saying that, Yes, there are some challenges and there are some barriers and we have to, at times, be real, realistic about them but not be defeated. In other words, you're saying uh, young people with special needs need to speak up for themselves, need 
needs to need to talk about their needs mm-hmm. in a way that gets understood mm-hmm. and generates the kind of action that's needed, but without, so to speak, upsetting everything and causing lots of lots of problems. So what I want to say to you is very straightforward. Please keep up the good work because it's absolutely vital. Uh, as you said, not only to the families and the young people with special needs, but to society as a whole and our economy. So thank you for sharing with us your experience, your insights and your advice. And also this inspirational part, which is to students with special needs, go there, be realistic and succeed. Now, I also want to say thank you to our listeners. And I want to say... At Family Caregivers Unite, we welcome hearing from our listeners on this particular topic or others. Um, We also want to hear from people who would like to be our guests or who have suggestions for topics. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about family caregivers organizing and coordinating their caring. So please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.